Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Dr. Fane Fry, a board-certified dermatologist, and she practices in New York but provides us with important and necessary information in the form of her new book, The Skincare Hoax, How You're Being Tricked into Buying Lotions, Potions, and Wrinkle Cream. Dr. Fry promotes dermatology education to help consumers choose the safest and the most affordable products. And she is very determined to educate us on caring for this largest of our organs, our skin, using sunscreen to provide the best protection with the goal of preventing skin cancer. Dr. Fane Fry, good morning and thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. It is my pleasure. And you, I think, in your role, in your medical role, and I think maybe just in your life in general, you have this passion for taking care of skin, not just your own, but for for all people to the extent of, I would say, this country and beyond, because you uh, offer us a beautiful new book, The Skin Care Hoax. Yes, I, have, uh, I fell in love with the skincare industry, uh, during my medical school days and shortly thereafter. And it's a fantastic industry, Kate, that makes really good products that really helps a lot of women. And I'm interested in wellness, not that I'm not interested in beauty, but wellness over beauty. Um, with that being said, the skincare industry um, advocates for its shareholders, as any good business does. And to make matters even more complicated is Women in particular, but any consumer, they don't understand the ingredient listing in a skincare product, right? They don't understand isopropyl estate and triethanolamine and propylene glycol. So skincare items are pretty much blind items to the consumer. Um, so between my chemistry background and my 30 years as a dermatologist, and I also objectively test moisturizers in my office. We have a machine that we can actually measure the water content of skin before and after use for about a week. So we combine those three things, I decided somebody needed to advocate for the consumer because the consumer picks products based on marketing, I guess, right? They ask their mm. friends or they'll follow a celebrity or they'll look at a beauty ad. and That's all great, but all that is marketing. So I really felt it was important to advocate for the consumer, and I put it in a book uh, called The Skincare Hooks. Which really is just this wealth of information, critically information, important information for us, for our families, because we are concerned about our good health. And we also want to be conscious of what we put on our body, in our body. And we're conscious about uh, the economics, what our budget can sustain. And so, you know, as you talk about how we choose products, sometimes that pretty packaging might have the allure that, oh, you know, this since it looks so beautiful, must be really good for me. So, I mean, there are those sort of hoaxes that do exist in our society. Yeah, a lot of it, again, it's based on the, the media. The media is sensationalism, right? They want your, they want your, your, they want an audience. They want ad dollars. And so they'll sell a, they'll sell a highlight or they'll, they'll put some sort of headline, which is uh, sensational, but not accurate. Um, and so my goal is to is to debunk all those myths and to clarify those headlines, you know, based on valid science. Um, and you mentioned budget. Uh, you know, I've been testing skincare products for a really long time, moisturizers, and I will tell you this. Um, there is absolutely no correlation between what you pay for a moisturizer and how well it works. I'm sure that's really earth-shattering news for some of us. 
Well, look, you know, it, it is for some, but again, people don't understand the basic cosmetic formulations and how they're created. Um, somebody might like a fragrance, they might like a pretty packaging, but if they do know that the value of that moisturizer, that anti-aging cream, that eye cream, that neck cream, all these cosmetics, um, which are really moisturizers, um, and they all function as moisturizers, and we can discuss that a little bit if you're interested, um, if you like the packaging, again, and you like how it sits on your vanity, you have every right to purchase it, but the expectation shouldn't be it's going to work better. Right. And so you say they're all moisturizers. So the one for the eyes is really not different or working better on the eyes than, say, the neck moisturizer uh, than what you use just in general on your face. In general, that's correct. In this country, we have laws, and the law says um, we distinguish cosmetics from drugs by the intent of the product. And manufacturers are well aware of this. So if you're a manufacturer, you produce a product um, the in- if the intent of that product is to really change the structure or function of any organ, but in this case we're talking about the skin, if that's your intent, by law that's a drug and it has to go through the FDA. Now that means it has to get pre-market approval, it has to prove safety, it has to prove efficacy. All those products that you just mentioned, Kate, eye creams and night creams and neck creams and anti-aging creams and age-defying creams and wrinkle creams, those are cosmetic. Those, co- those products are not designed to to permanently change the structure or function of skin. That, that's the law. And many of them, I just had a very nice conversation with a very well-known um, cosmetic chemist, um, and he went so far as to tell me that a lot of the big companies even have these base formulations. And when you produce a product, you'll get together with, you'll get some focus groups together, and you'll determine what women want. We call it a concept. They'll make a concept. It's an idea. It's what will sell. And then they get on the phone with their R&D, right, their research and development, and they'll say, look, we want a cream for the wrinkles in our eyes. And they will go into their, their, they have base formulations, which have worked for them for years, and they'll take one of these base formulations, and then they'll add some ingredient, this is a terrible term, but I call it angel dusting, or just a little, a little bit of something that you put in the product to satisfy the claim that is going to be on the front of the label. And that's how a lot of these products are developed and how they're marketed. It is a marketing frenzy. But do you know that the overwhelming majority of these products, and, and we can list all these little angel dust um, ingredients. I'm sure you know many of them. Niacinamide and, and coenzyme Q and retinol. These are all put in cosmetics, which are not designed or intend to change the structure or function of skin. They can't by law. And the consumer needs to know this, and, and, and I describe this in the book. Again, if they like how it feels and how it looks, and they have every right to buy it. But you can't expect it's going to do what, what the, the claim says it's going to do. And yet, do some people feel it really does? Or do our eyes kind of play a trick on us and we think, oh, yeah, I think, I think that line has gone. I, it's not there anymore. Well, it's not a trick. It's a temporary increase in water content. Remember, these products are well-designed well, well moisturizers, which temporarily help increase the content, the increase in water in the skin. So if you take a raisin and you pump water into it, you get a grape. Let me ask you, is that anti-wrinkle? <laughs> I, uh, right? It's yes. a temporary enhancement. And so it's not an imagination. It is, it is a good moisturizer. But in my opinion, how well all these products work, based on my testing, depends on how well it moisturizes. So it's not a, it's not an illusion. You do get a temporary 
improvement in the appearance of skin because you're hydrating the skin. But my point is you can do the same thing with a very inexpensive moisturizer rather than spending, you know, some of these products are three, four, five hundred dollars an ounce. That's up to eight thousand dollars a pound. Kate, can you think of any perishable you'd even consider spending eight thousand dollars a pound on? Yet alone a cosmetic that is not intended to change the structure or function of your skin because it can't by law. No, and and who can really? I mean, the the number of people who could is such a minuscule a percentage that you know the majority of us need to know this so that we get what is going to just work and not break the bank. Correct, and, and, and your skin is dry. It is it is wise to apply a moisturizer. Look, look, skin is an organ, and it functions best when it's hydrated. Right, it's the barrier to the outside world. It protects us from bacteria, mold, fungus allergens, ultraviolet light. I mean, we need hydrated skin if it's dry. But you'll know if it's dry. You'll see flakes. You'll see scales. Here in New York, I rarely use a moisturizer in July. The humidity reaches 95, almost 100%. I don't need to put on a moisturizer. But when the skin is dry in January, it would behoove us to moisturize. And so I do think a good, well-formulated moisturizer is, is, is beneficial. You know, all those products that I test in my office, we have a whole database of these quality facial and body moisturizers um, on the website, on Thrifates. Um, and that's why I did this. Uh, again, I have to clarify, Kate, I don't sell anything, and I don't work for a skincare company. And every, uh, like every Amazon affiliate, which we are, in full transparency, uh, we get a 4% affiliate fee, which to date has all been donated to charity. So this is not a moneymaker for me. I'm just really trying to educate the consumer who's, um, you know, at a disadvantage because they don't understand the ingredient listing. And... And really, you have to be a scientist, uh, a, a professional to understand what all of those terms really stand for. But I guess it's kind of the smoke and mirrors that seems like, oh, if that, that must be something good. Uh, you know, I can't pronounce the name, so therefore it's going to do some magic for me. Yeah, that's right. People don't have the chemistry background. And I'm not, to, you know, again, even many of my colleagues, and I speak to them all the time, um, this type of cosmetic chemistry formulation is, is not taught in dermatology programs. And so many of my colleagues, they actually sell cosmetics of these kinds. With the, look, it, it's a business. I get it. But a lot of them don't understand how these products are really manufactured. I believe they're all well-intentioned. But I think once they realize what they're, what they're doing, um, I, I don't know, then I think it just changes their outlook on things a little bit. Certainly. And so for us, the the general population who wants to just take the best care we can of our skin, I think you have a very basic, simple formula for us to follow. Yes, I do. Look, as far as skincare is concerned, um, if your skin is dry, we mentioned you should moisturize. 365 days a year, you should apply sunscreen. Now, sunscreen in this country is not a cosmetic. It prevents disease, um, it um, being skin cancer, and if it makes that clean, it's also a drug. So sunscreen is regulated like a drug in the United States, but the application of a broad-spectrum SPF 30 on all exposed skin every single day um, is really good for you. Uh, it's also, it prevents sun damage, it prevents skin cancer, and it, it prevents... 80 to 90% of all those anti, you know, all those aging signs of pigment and, and coarse wrinkling, that's from the sun. So you can prevent that with, with, with the use of sunscreen. So as far as skincare is concerned, moisturize if you're dry and sunscreen every single day. Um, the best advice I can give people for healthy skin is to live a healthy lifestyle. It's not the sexy answer, Kate, that people want to hear. It doesn't involve a laser or a pill or a quick fix. 
Um, but it is the answer, and it includes exercise every day uh, or five days a week. I think the American Heart Association says 150 minutes a week, you know, five 30-minute sessions. Um, a healthy diet, a good nights of sleep, and there's science to show all of that. Uh, I'm a firm believer in laughter. I think laughter is great for you, although I don't have a lot of science to prove it. I still believe it. Um, and it's not the sexy answer, but that is the answer, right? The skin is an organ. It, it, it parallels a healthy body, and that's what it takes to have a healthy body. Um, but it's not easy because uh, everybody has reasons not to eat healthy, and everybody has reasons not to exercise, and it's tough. We're all busy so to get this weight, but that is the answer. And maybe it's just not costly enough. We we seem to want to look at something that's more complex or is going to cost a lot. But if we look at the just those basics as you name them, Dr. Fry, maybe that's the problem. It's just too simple. It may be. Um, I have a hard time with some of the marketing. I think too much of the marketing from the skincare companies uh, leave a, a, not a very healthy taste in my mouth. They make women in particular feel inadequate. Um, They feed on our insecurities. I mean, think about the industry. If you have too much hair, they'll sell you something to get rid of it. If you don't have enough hair, they'll sell you something to grow it. If your skin is too dark, they'll sell you something to lighten it. And if your skin is too light, they'll sell you something to darken it. You know, this is how it it works. And so I just think the marketing, um, they create a problem for us, and then we perceive the problem, and then we try to solve the problem by buying the product. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I say I em- em- emphasize wellness over beauty. I have nothing against beauty. I think it's wonderful if you won the genetic lottery and looks, but we are way too um, concerned with looks. I always tell people that things that really matter don't come in a, a bottle or a tube, you know, health and, 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 and kindness and accomplishment. And unfortunately, the marketing industry and most of the skincare industry, um, uh, they feed on insecurities and it doesn't help women. They, it's a half a, it's almost a half a trillion dollar industry now in the world, uh, the skincare. I mean, it's, 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 it's big and it's growing. And when it's that much money and we're so, the society seems to be so focused on, on money, uh, on the economy, it's, it's a, a tough thing to break. But I think, you know, one at a time learning this and knowing what is best for us and what makes sense is really the message we want to get across. Yes, my goal is to educate the consumer, to remind women they're fantastic the way they are, the overwhelming majority of women I meet anyway. Um, again, it's very nice to take pride in how you look. I think that's wonderful. Um, I think creativity with makeup and, and hair and nails is a lot of fun, but too many of us uh, spend too much time facing the mirror and not you know, facing the real world. And, and I think uh, educating them about skincare, about what they really need, what really works, and what's just hype, um, to make mindful consumers uh, would would single-handedly change the industry. It's a great industry. It makes good products, sunscreens, good moisturizers. We need this industry badly. We just don't need all the marketing marketing hype. Yes. So now, in terms of the education, and part of what you were saying is really important for basic skin care is the sunscreen. And mm-hmm. so let, let's give some attention to this as to the sunscreen that we take, the SPF that's in it. I know that 30 is pretty common, but I see SPF 15. If you put on 15, is it going to do any good for you? So the answer is yes, it will do good for you, but SPF 30 or higher is what's recommended um, by most uh, dermatologists, certainly American Academy of Dermatology. Um, how, how, the protection you get, the SPF, is really dependent on how much you put on. So unfortunately, most people don't put on enough sunscreen, thick enough, to get the SPF that's on the label. 
which is why applying an SPF 30 is, is better than doing a 15. If you apply an SPF 15 and you only put it on very sparingly, you're not even getting SPF 15. So uh-huh. SPF 30 or higher. There was a good study. I think Daryl Weagle did the study. Um, they compared a hundred SPF 100 with a, a lower one, and they, they found it was beneficial, but not be so much. I don't think it was so much because the product was better. I think it's, again, it had more to do with how the consumer was applying the sunscreen. So to apply it every day and to apply it liberally so that you get the SPF that's on that label is what's recommended. And so now in the summertime, as we have more exposed skin, we need to make sure that we cover that all the area that does get exposed with that liberal application of SPF 30. Correct. Sunscreen is part of a comprehensive sun protection program. It, it doesn't mean you put on sunscreen and go lie out on a chase lounge at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Sunscreen is part of a comprehensive skincare protection program, which includes trying to minimize the exposure to direct harmful ultraviolet rays that hit us midday. So it's covering up, it's seeking shade, it's trying to stay indoors. If you're going to go to lunch, sit inside. If it's 12, 1 o'clock, don't sit outside. Uh, you know, in the sun, um, if you sit under an awning is, is ideal. Um, wear hats, wear sunglasses. If you have a nice long sleeve blousey shirt, you can wear over your bathing suit to, again, minimize exposed skin, which, of course, therefore minimizes the amount of sunscreen you need to apply. Um, so that's a uh, sunscreen is great, but it's not it's not put on your sunscreen and go lie out and get a tan. That's that's uh, again, it's just part of comprehensive sun protection. And yet we do see people flocking to the beaches, laying out there, basking in the sun. I was in that kind of uh, crowd years ago um, without thinking I was doing any damage to my skin. But now we're much more informed and aware, and yet we're doing it. So we really should not be doing that at all, should we? You should not be doing that, but, but Kate, there were probably over 3 million skin cancers diagnosed and treated last year. I mean, it's not going without consequence. So um, if there were no consequences and it felt good, I'd say fine, but there are consequences. Aside from the wrinkles and the look, it, it causes cancer. And um, so it, it would behoove people not to sit out and, and just take in the race. Exactly. So that's a really huge neon sign message here is to avoid that kind of direct sun exposure really unnecessarily because the melanoma is 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 just happening so frequently. Fortunately, melanoma is happening less frequently than basal cell carcinomas and squamous cell carcinomas, but yes, they are happening too frequently. And, you know, people are worried about the safety of sunscreens and their ingredients, and, and I understand all that, but my answer would be minimize how much sunscreen you have to put on by covering up um, and understanding, you know, benefit-risk, the advantages of wearing, benefit, of wearing sunscreen, the benefits of wearing sunscreen certainly outweighs any downside that we know of today, even despite some of the media, you know, attention to the, some of the sunscreen um, filters that, we, that people are worried about, the chemical sunscreen. Um, and, and, again, it's, it's a benefit risk um, situation. You know, if I tell people there were 42,000 fatalities on our highways last year with cars, uh, that's not going to, the answer isn't don't drive your car, right? It's, it's, it's a benefit risk. If you follow, if you follow traffic signs and you heed, you know, stop signs and, and you buckle in and you, and you follow the rules of the road, you're willing to take the chance because the benefit of driving outweighs the risk. Um, but yet there are 42,000 fatalities on the road last year. 
same is true with sunscreen. If you put on minimum amount, right, because you're covered, um, the benefit of wearing it outweighs the risk. Because the risk of not wearing it is, again, like I said, over 3 million cases of skin cancer last year. And as far as the spray-on sunscreen, is that as effective? Yes, all of them are effective. Again, it depends on how much you put on. If you spray quickly versus if you really go back and forth and spray. Although I would tell you, spray is great. A lot of people love the sprays. They're very easy to apply. You rub it in. Never, never spray into your face, however. I always tell people to spray on your hand and then wipe it on your face. But sprays are great for moms that are running after their little three- and four-year-olds. You know, they run away and you want to kind of get them. Um, sprays can be really effective, uh, um, again, if you, if you apply it liberally enough. As well, I, I happen to like a stick. Some people like lotion. I say the best sunscreen is the one you like to use. <laughs> just to, yeah, mm-hmm. just be sure to use it. And, and, you know, thinking in terms of kids, is it okay to use the same, say we use the SPF uh, 30 cream on ourselves, can we use the same one on our children? You can. The sunscreens come in two flavors. We have uh, mineral sunscreens, which are mineral, uh, I'm sorry, titanium dioxide and zinc oxide filters. And then we have all the others. We'll call them non-mineral sunscreens. Some people call them the chemical sunscreens, but don't kid yourself. They're all chemical. Um, The advantage to the titanium and zinc oxide uh, filters is they very rarely cause allergies or reactions on the skin um, compared to the quote-unquote chemical sunscreens or the non-mineral sunscreens. And therefore, a lot of people prefer to use those mineral sunscreens on children. Uh, Two downsides to the mineral sunscreens. One, uh, they can leave a white cast on the skin all too often, and a lot of people don't like that, although the formulations are getting better. And two, when you compare chemical sunscreens and mineral sunscreens, and Consumer Reports has done this year after year after year, the top sunscreens are never the mineral sunscreens. The best-performing sunscreens are almost always chemical sunscreens. They just work better. And there's no white cast with a chemical sunscreen. So with that being said, most kids don't care about the white cast. They don't complain when they're three. Uh, and so I usually recommend that young children apply the mineral uh, sunscreens or the ones with the, with the filters, titanium dioxide and zinc oxide. Um, but uh, as a child gets a little older and their surface area, you know, enlarges compared to their volume, I think using the regular chemical sunscreens is also fine. Great. Because is that young, tender skin that much more susceptible to burning, to developing a skin cancer? Well, there are plenty of studies that show sunburns in children increases your risk of cancer as you get older. Absolutely. Okay, so as children, but even as adults being sunburned, yes. besides the pain, does that increase the, the potential of skin cancer? It likely does. Based on current science, it likely does. Again, all these science studies, it's, sometimes it's very difficult to, to say. Remember, the sun changes its intensity. It's hard to compare in studies, altitude, where people are, how much sun they really got, how burnt they really got. But it does seem that uh, sunburns, in, in, increase in sunburns, the statistics, I believe, is five sunburns doubles your risk of melanoma. Um, but but there's, a lot of, there's a lot of statistics I see out there. The bottom line is ultraviolet light is damaging to your skin. And it causes cancer. And um, so, again, it's advised to not expose yourself to those harmful rays. And what about skin types? We might think, oh, a darker complected person, our African-American population, are they less susceptible to uh, skin cancer? 
look, despite the fact that people with dark skin complexions have a natural protection because melanin, which is what they make so much of, is protected. It's not protective enough. So everybody, this, regardless of their skin color, should be wearing a sunscreen. Okay, so there it is. It's a blanket instruction. Just keep using the sunscreen. So then we get to the other side of the equation that talks about, well, we need to have vitamin E, and the sun gives us our natural source of vitamin D. And here in the Northwest where we get a lot of cloudy days, but the sun is still coming through, so we need to protect against that. But what about getting our precious vitamin D? Well, I have two things to say about that. Number one, first of all, if you look at the reviews of studies, there's actually no evidence that wearing sunscreen makes anybody vitamin D deficient. And yes, you need vitamin D. And if you're tested low, you should take a supplement. We're very lucky. We have vitamin D uh, supplements, and your body doesn't know the difference. But secondly, even if you wear sunscreen, sunscreen is not 100% effective. You're still getting ultraviolet light. And you only need about, I think it's two to three hours of sun a week to get enough vitamin D, activated vitamin D3 is all you need. So you don't need a lot. You don't need a lot of sun exposure. Again, I think the benefit of wearing sunscreen and taking a supplement if you're deficient outweighs the risk of not wearing sunscreen. And that, I believe that's true even with vitamin D levels. And, and like I said, if you're deficient, you should take a supplement. But it's not causative. Sunscreen is certainly not causing vitamin D deficiency per se. Okay. So... Again, the SPF 30, using the sunscreen, is so critically important to our good health. But then, as you're saying, Dr. Fry, we still get some exposure. So if we, if there is a skin cancer present, is it really obvious uh, to us what we might be detecting on our skin, or can it be kind of sneaky? Yeah, it could have, you know, it could be something that's on your body that changes slowly. Uh, my advice is everybody should examine themselves once a month and uh, keep an eye on what you have. You don't have to know what it is, but if it's changing in any way, size, shape, or, or color, go seek out your, your dermatologist. If you develop something new, a new growth, perhaps a, a little sore that doesn't heal, a little scaly area, and it doesn't go away after two, three weeks, four weeks. I, I, I tell people, go get attention. You don't have to know what it is. You just have to find it early. Dermatologists are really, really good at identifying skin growth and, and diagnosing them and treating them. I don't expect people to be dermatologists, but you certainly can be, uh, again, mindful and check yourself. Look for anything changing or anything new that's not going away. And if you do develop either of those things, seek a medical attention. Words of wisdom. That sounds like a good plan. Definitely. Just being self-aware, which means also just paying attention to, you know, changes in our body and something that is happening that you feel shouldn't be happening. Seek out mm -hmm. the professional. Exactly. I'm thinking back to the use of the sunscreen, too, on our whole body. Thinking about our lips, and I believe the lips, this skin is a, a lot more delicate than the rest of our face, the rest of our body. You bring up a very good point. People ask me the, the areas that people forget, and lips is probably number one. And I totally encourage people to buy a lip balm that has SPF in it and apply it to your lips to protect them. Tops of the feet are another one. A lot of people wear flip-flops, and they don't protect the top of their feet, and they get burnt. So busy putting them on their legs and their, their arms and their neck and their face. And, and the other area is the ears. A lot of people forget their ears. And so you make a good point, though, about the lips. Lip, is, lip skin is thin. It has very few um, glands, 
So it tends to dry out more. So protecting the thin lip is, is a nice decision. And wearing, a, again, an SPF-containing lip balm is, is, is advised every day. And that is one area that you have to really keep reapplying very religiously because we're wearing it off. Absolutely. You reapply it. And hopefully you're not getting a lot of sun and you are in the shade. But if you are out there and uh, reapplying, same with sunscreen. You know, if you're sweating or swimming absolutely every two hours, if you put on a broad-spectrum water-resistant sunscreen and you're working in an office all day, uh, you're probably going to get through most of the day without a problem. And, of course, there's always those areas in between. You're running in an ad, running to the food store. If you can reapply during the day, it would behoove you to do so. Again, water-resistant sunscreen lasts a long time. Well, this is such important education for us, Dr. Fry. I'm so grateful that you love this area and that you've immersed yourself so deeply into it. Let's mention your website for a wealth of other information that people can find there. That would be great. The website's called Fryface, F-R-Y-F-A-C-E. It's an educational skincare website with a blog to help people just learn. I write little articles about skin. There's an amazing product selector tool to help people select products And the products are all manufactured by nationally and internationally known brands because they have the best resources to make the best products for the dollar. So these are products that you're going to find at your local drugstore or your local pharmacy, and they're the best bang for the buck. And I know that because we test them objectively in our office. So, again, if you like those fancy ones and the expensive ones, that's fine. Enjoy them. My my analogy, Kate, is like sprinkles on an ice cream cone. They don't change the flavor of the ice cream. They don't change the quality of the ice cream, but they're fun and they're colorful. And if you like them, enjoy them, but they're not necessary. And there at the website, we can also find out information about your book, The Skin Care Hoax, how you're being tricked into buying lotions, potions, and wrinkle cream. Such a wealth of information in this book as well. So that content is available I'm just so grateful to you, Dr. Fry, for your time, your passion, and for all that you've directed for us this morning, especially during the summertime when our sun is most intense. Hey, it was my pleasure. If you ever have any other questions or issues about skin care, skin ingredients, formulation, please don't hesitate to reach out. It's been my pleasure, and uh, kudos to you for educating your audience. And that brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Dr. Fane Fry and Sunday Morning Magazine with Christina Marusik. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or to share these important stories with your family and friends, Find the podcast on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab and then either of the show names and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of greater awareness of what we do, what we eat, being aware of the cancer-causing conditions all around us. Have a week of the same and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.